There are many ways to celebrate Christmas. The songs, the decorations, the lights, and the trees. But sooner or later, the lights come down, the wrapping paper is tossed out, and the toys get broken. If Christmas isn't about Christ, you're missing everything. There is a light in the darkness. His name is Jesus, the light of the world. That light is a treasure of Christmas. Don't miss the true gift that never fades. Jesus, the light has come. Merry Christmas, everyone. My name is Jorn, and I'm one of the pastors here at Calvary, if you don't know me. I mean, it's hard to believe how fast time goes by. We're only one week away from celebrating the birth of Jesus. And I hope you're heading into this next week with great expectations as we all encounter our Savior corporately and individually in however he chooses to reveal himself during this Christmas season. If you haven't been around here much, this is the third message from our series, The Light Has Come. We've been unpacking some fresh ideas on the reality of Jesus and what it means to see him fully. We've learned that Christmas set the stage for a great battle, and our King Jesus is worth fighting for and fighting with. Though he came as a baby, he would end up being a warrior king, making war on our behalf, battling forces of evil and the underworld. He would destroy death, hell, and the grave, and provide eternal hope for the whole world. We would end up knowing his heart, and as Dan said the week before last, and we would fight for the heart of our king. Then last week, we talked about positioning ourselves to shine, how each of us is uniquely shaped through Christ to shine, and how Jesus uses even our brokenness to bring light into our world. Today, we're going to talk about the aspects of light and how light is an ongoing revelation. We're going to talk about when light is real and when it's artificial and how we can know the difference. We'll dig into the shadowlands and how danger it is for us and for the church. And finally, we're going to learn how light will always win. So let's take a look at our text and see what the Lord might be saying to each of us today. John 1, 1 through 9 says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was the life, and that life was the light of all mankind. It says this, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. I may have mentioned this before, but I can't function in the dark. I mean, at all. Now, my wife, she's like a ninja. There could be an obstacle course of stuff in the way, and she'd step over it and weave through it without a problem. But when the lights go out, I'm completely disabled. You would think knowing where everything is in my bedroom wouldn't lead me to laying on the floor crying 
like a baby because I ran my big toe into the bedpost for like the 20th time. You know, one of my fears is tripping over a clothes basket in the middle of the night, and the next thing you know, I'm heading down this tunnel towards a bright light hearing this voice saying, Welcome home, Jorn. And on top of that, I can't find stuff in the dark. I'm usually up around 5 a.m. each morning while my ninja is still sleeping. So I'm there in the dark with my phone, with the light on, and I'm trying not to wake her up. And I can spend like 10 minutes looking for my wallet or my belt because it just simply isn't bright enough. Now, I know the wives right now are probably saying, Jorn, that doesn't have anything to do with being in the dark. (laughs) But here's my point. I need light. We need light, not just physical light, but light that gives us perspective. It lets us understand our divine purpose, and it leads us to Jesus. I mean, if we could take a few seconds to reflect on the last year, how many times have we spiritually been laying on the floor crying because we've stubbed our spiritual toe, because we've assumed we knew where we were going, or we were just completely lost? Listen, there is plenty of darkness. The world is a dark place in many fronts right now. And I mean, we could spend a lot of time focusing on all the negative things that are happening around us or even in the world. But see, when I read these verses, it gives me incredible hope because Christmas has always been about light. It's always been about light. Genesis 1-3 says, God said, let there be light and there was light. Now, John was the writer of this gospel, and the Apostle John, I call him the Apostle of Light. John refers to light more than anyone else, and uniquely from creation to revelation, we see the power of light in his testimony. John was reminding us of God's intention from the beginning to the end. In the beginning was the Word. In the beginning was light. In Revelation, the last book of the Bible, John finishes by saying, There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light. John says this through his own journey as he shares about his experience with Jesus. He says this, God is light and in him is no darkness. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world. He says, I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. And he says this, anyone who loves their brother or sister lives in the light. And in between all of these verses, we get to take our own journey from darkness and dark nights into the light where all things are as they actually seem. See, light lets us see the big picture. Light lets us see into eternity. Light is a revelation of Christ, our Creator, Savior, who causes His light to bring life and goodness to each of us. Actually, the birth of Christ is our light reminder. Have you ever read the verse like this that we just read? The first few verses of John? What if we read it like this? In the beginning was the light. And the light was with God, and the light was God. Light was with God in the beginning. Through light, all things were made. Without light, nothing was made that has been made. 
So what actually happens when light comes? Well, the first thing is light brings clarity. It says light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. See, light creates a line of demarcation. It really lets us see what side we are on, or at least it gives us a chance to actually choose. Baker's Dictionary says this, Light always involves the removal of darkness and the unfolding of biblical history and theology. See, the contrast of light and darkness is common in all words related to light. So how do you know which side you're actually on? See, here darkness is defined as dimness, shady, or shadows. And that word overcome, it means to take eagerly, to seize or possess. You'd think darkness would be in complete contrast to light because when we think about darkness, we would say the opposite of that is light. So there's something that's very bright and then there's something that's very dark. See, dark means the inability to see. But if you think about in terms of Jesus and maybe what John was saying here, it means to project a sense of light with the intent to control. Darkness wants to control us. Darkness wants to make sure that we are on the wrong side of demarcation. Maybe this is why the scripture says, Satan comes as an angel of light. Another verse says, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. This is, why, this is why we need light. It might be better to think of darkness as artificial light. So where is your focus? What dictates your days? We can all be living in artificial light and not even know it. It's not hard for us to produce artificial light in our own lives. If your brightest moment of light, let me, let me say this. If your brightest moment of light is for an hour on Sunday morning, you might need to consider if it's artificial. Dan said some, th- some, some tough things last week. He said, Sunday is halftime. It's when we celebrate how God has used us to bring light into the world. But Monday is actually the mission. And sometimes he says, you know, maybe the reason that God isn't answering our prayers especially with our neighbors, is because we've forgotten that Sunday is when we celebrate the light, but Monday is where we actually become the light and reveal the light. Here's what I think. Light is not a revelation of how dark it is, but how bright Christ is. Because if darkness seems like light, then when we reveal Christ, we see darkness for what it actually is. We're able to see the shadows. We're able to see the places where it's not genuine, where it's artificial. See, it means to keep us, darkness means to keep us on the wrong side, to control us and to trick us into believing that the world has light, that we have light, when actually we don't. In the spring, Bonnie and I were contacted by a longtime a member of Discovery Road. Her name was Jackie. She'd been a part of our ministry uh, when we first got here 17 years ago. 
Jackie had been with us from the beginning of the church plant that we started, and she never really got on board other than just showing up on Sundays. And she eventually faded away after a tragic event had happened in her life. And then during the spring, she texted us and said, could I come and talk to you? I'd like to meet with you. And so after years of not hearing anything from her, she decided to stop in to say hello. And Bonnie and I were wondering, I wonder what she wants. She didn't really give an explanation. So both of us were kind of thinking, okay, is this going to be a good news? Is this going to be bad news? You know, what's really going to happen? And as soon as she came in, you could sense a nervous excitement about her. And without any small talk, she just jumped right in and told us that her life had dramatically changed. She said the years past had been difficult. Even though she had been with us those few years, she had never really committed genuinely to following Jesus, even though she said she believed in him. She said close to a year before, she was driving in her car one day and was fed up with the way her life had been going and how empty she felt chasing after the things of this world, chasing after shadows. She said, I've become a Jesus freak. There in her car, she cried out to Jesus and told him, I give up. You can have my whole life. It's yours. She said, I can't really explain it. But all of a sudden, it was like the whole car filled with the presence of God and something changed in my heart. She then told us of all the places Jesus had been moving in her life. And we had to laugh when she said this. I just don't understand why people don't want to know and follow Jesus. Why can't they see what I see? (laughs) See, in that moment, she transitioned out of the shadows. She began telling everyone about the light. See, the next thing that happens when we see Jesus the right way, when we see him as this light, is light becomes our mission. It says there was a man sent from God whose name was John. Last weekend, Bonnie and I were able to go visit our daughter, Lauren, and her husband, Danny. Danny is a great guy, but he didn't have the greatest life, and I believe he has some challenges with Christianity because of that. Danny loves documentaries, and one evening he said, Have you heard of Twas the Fight Before Christmas? This documentary is about a lawyer named Jeremy Morris who was in battle with his neighbors over Christmas lights. So we decided to watch it with him. At first, you liked this guy because he loved Christmas. And each year, he would decorate his whole property with lights and displays and people would come from everywhere. Think Chevy Chase Griswold Christmas. And for miles around, he would bring busloads of people to the display and they would stand in the yard and it would block traffic. But eventually, he decided that He wanted to move into a new neighborhood, and he reached out to the president of the HOA to tell them about his intention to set up his display. The neighbors really had no idea who he was, so they went online to do some research and realized that this was not going to work in their quiet little neighborhood. They were concerned about traffic and about people infringing on other people's properties. They notified him, and they said he was going to do it no matter what. And if they tried to stop him, 
he would sue everyone in the neighborhood. Well, I'll be honest, 15 minutes later, I was no longer a fan of this kind of mean Christmas Mr. Rogers. On top of that, he was a Christian who during the documentary, you would hear him praying with his family and talking about Jesus, and he wanted to defend Christmas. That was his motive. But long story short, it was bad, really bad. The neighbors ended up having to take him to court, and you could feel the tension as you listened to the people in the neighborhood as they shared their stories. He said he had a right, and he wanted to be a light. I was thinking about that verse that says, who takes a light and hides it under a bowl? I was thinking, I'd like to, I know what I'd like to do with that, light, that bowl. I know exactly what I'd like to do with that bowl. Hit him right over the head with it. <laughs> but the worst part, this was the worst part, was my son-in-law was watching it with me. And he said this, he's supposed to be a Christian, right? Why would he do that? I mean, that was a, you know, just an awkward moment knowing, you know, maybe his perspective of the world and Christians isn't correct. And now we're watching this documentary and there was a part of me that kind of wished like, gee, I guess I wish we wouldn't have watched that. No wonder our world is confused. No wonder there's so many people living in darkness, living in the shadows. See, Ephesians 5, 8 says this, You were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light. I can't say this enough. We need the light. Not the lights of Christmas, but the light of Christ. See, to live in the shadows is to live in darkness. Because even Christmas lights can be shadows if our hearts aren't right towards seeing how powerful Christ really is. And that Christ doesn't need anything external to prove his brightness and his glory. That if we'll just submit ourselves to the reality of where we were and where we are now, that God will begin to put us on mission. Here's my point. Has Christ sent you on a mission? A mission to reveal Jesus. You know, I was thinking about that verse. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. But what if we change that just for this moment and say there was a man or woman sent from God whose name was blank and you put your name in there? Where can you be light? Real light, not artificial light, not a light that looks like the world, but where can you actually be light? Let me finish with this. During World War II, the German forces occupied the island of Crete, and the people there, a small village, took up arms with whatever they could find to defend themselves, but eventually were gathered together and executed. And during that time, there was a man, his name was Alexander Paradoris, who was a philosopher, teacher, and politician. But he was a boy during this time, and he watched the villagers being executed. And later on, he found a German motorcycle that had been wrecked, and he took a piece of a broken mirror that he found, and he ground it on a rock until it was the size of a quarter. He said he would take that mirror and he would reflect it into the dark places to see what was inside. 
And later on in life, Alexander created what's called the Institute of Peace in the monastery that sits in the village where he was born. Because he believed his people and the Germans had a lot to learn about each other and how to forgive. So he wanted this place to be a place where there could be reconciliation, where God could kind of bring these two groups of people together. And during a conference later on in his life, he hosted at the Institute with leaders and influencers around the world. He asked if anybody had questions. And in the quiet of that moment, someone asked, what is the meaning of life, Alexander? What do you believe the meaning of life is? Alexander took the quarter-sized piece of glass he carried in his wallet everywhere he went. He took it out and he told his story. And at the end, he said this, I'm a fragment of a mirror whose whole design and shape I do not know. Nevertheless, with what I have, I can reflect light into dark places of this world and into black places in the hearts of men and change some things in some people. Perhaps others may see and do likewise. This is what I am about. This is the meaning of life. When I think about Alexander's life, and I think about light, I'm convinced that light will prevail. It will have its way. Scripture says the true light that gives light to everyone is coming into the world. I don't want to be redundant, but I've been listening to testimonies from different ministries and just random Christians who are basically saying the same thing. There is a level of hunger that they are seeing in people who they have not been seeing this in their life for a while. People are looking for God and for truth, but they're not actually sure where to find it. There are so many opportunities to share Jesus and to be more direct instead of dancing around the gospel in the hopes that they will get it and the hopes that it's enough light to create curiosity. See, like Alexander, if we can see ourselves like that mirror and not be afraid to let the light come, it will remove the shadows and let folks see this Jesus who we declare as light. I read that verse in our context as we are coming. Light is coming. Light is the creative force behind the gospel. So when I think about that, it's not like it hasn't come. It's almost like all the people who don't know Jesus are waiting for us to come with this gospel that is the light of Christ. One of our favorite verses at Christmas time is this, Emmanuel, God with us. Emmanuel, light with us. See yourself as a change agent for light. Jesus is still here, God with us, light with us, because we are here and we are light to this world. Let me, leave you, let me leave you with this uh, to-do list, just a small one. Three things. Look for light, leave the shadows, and live in the light. Spend some time this next week focusing on Jesus as the light. Pray for a personal revelation of the hope and love we find in him. And then, where is Jesus shining his light in your own heart and life? Where have you maybe been dulled by artificial light? 
let that same revelation of God being light shine into your own heart and speak to you so that you can see him more clear. And lastly, to live in light is to give life to others. Find a way to do that in the next week. You've got another week to love your neighbors, to give to the 1% offering, and to see the Lord shine through you. The light is here. The light has come. Let's be light. Let me pray. Father, we are grateful for the gift of Jesus, the light of the world. We are grateful that no longer does anyone have to live in darkness, that you have dispelled that by the power and the grace of sending Jesus to us. I pray that, God, as we continue on the journey of knowing Christ, that your light would shine brightly in our lives and through us and into the world. Give us courage, give us faith, give us hope. Let us know there's so much more of Christ that we can see. There's so much more of Christ that the world can see and that we have the opportunity and the privilege to not only be like him, but to be the light that the world needs. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Merry Christmas. Have a great week.